This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate your watching, and I trust that you will continue to watch as we discuss the unsearchable riches of Christ. What are those riches? What are the unsearchable riches of Christ? Stay tuned today. Now, on our telecast, we offer a free Bible correspondence course, and, and we have thousands of people who have already ordered the course, and we want you to have it, that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to receive the course. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. The Apostle Paul wrote, a great number of the books of the New Testament. As a matter of fact, he wrote about half of the books of the New Testament. And one of those books is the book of Ephesians. And it is such a rich book. And today I want to read to you from the book of Ephesians, and I'll be reading out of the third chapter, and I want to be beginning at verse number 8. To me who am less than the least of all saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For the sake of other people, the Apostle Paul was a prisoner. In verse 1 of this chapter, he said, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. Sometimes in preaching the gospel, Paul endured great harm and great afflictions, imprisoned at times, and he was a special preacher. The apostle Paul was a special preacher to the Gentile world. Notice verse 8 again, Unto to me who am less than the least of all saints is the grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles. He was called to preach among the Gentiles. Going back to the book of Acts, the uh, 26th chapter, uh, beginning in verse number 14. And this is recounting the conversion of 
of Saul of Tarsus, who later came to be the Apostle Paul. And he was on his way to Damascus, and he had authority to put men and women in prison. And there was a light from heaven that was brighter than the sun. And he heard a voice from heaven, and the voice said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and witness of the things which you have seen and the things which I will yet reveal to you I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles unto whom I now send you to open their eyes. You see, he would be sent to the Gentiles. Here's the reason, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So you see, the Apostle Paul was a minister of the gospel, minister to the Gentiles, and he was to open up their eyes that they might see. He was to make known the mystery, the mystery Go back to Ephesians 3. In verse 1, he, he talked about that he was a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And then, then in verse 2, If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it now has been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel of which I became a minister, according to the gift of grace of, of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Paul was called to be a minister of the gospel to the Gentile world, to open their eyes that they might see, that they might come out of darkness into light, and that he might reveal to them the mystery, the mystery. But when it's revealed, it's no longer a mystery. And the content of that mystery is referred to as the unsearchable riches of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to notice some things that Paul says about that mystery and about the unsearchable riches of Christ. First of all, let's note what Paul says about himself. In verse 8, he refers to himself as the less than the least of all saints. He was less than the least. Now that 
kind of sounds strange, doesn't it? Since he did so much preaching. But Paul was not filled with pride. This was not false pride on his part. You see, Paul viewed himself by those unsearchable riches. Pride is very unbecoming to one who preaches the gospel. It's very unbecoming. I had a friend now who is now deceased. He was gospel preacher, but he was killed in an automobile accident. His name was Willard Willis, great preacher. I admired him so much. And he told me that he had been preaching at a certain place and, and then he moved. He had been there for a number of years. He went off to graduate school. And there was a man that took his place where he had been preaching. And he said that man told him, I'm going to outdo you. And Brother Willis said, well, what do you think I'm going to be doing while you're catching up? And I think the man was filled with pride to make a statement like that to Brother Willis. Willard was a very humble man, faithful man to God. So Paul was less. He saw himself as less than the least of all saints. And I can tell you that if you're filled with pride, it's a long way down to the bottom. Young boy went off to preach his first sermon. He came home and his mother said, well, how did it go, son? Oh, he said, mother, it just went wonderful. Well, they said that that's one of the best sermons they'd ever heard. He said, after all, mother, you know, there are not many great preachers in the world. She said, son, there's one less than you think. Paul said he was less than the least. Then notice what he says about his ministry. And his ministry was to preach. He said, I was to preach among the Gentiles. Preach among the Gentiles. Preaching is a privilege. It is a privilege. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4, Paul said he was allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. And God chose preaching as a means of saving the world. That's why Paul had such a burden on his heart for preaching. In 1 Corinthians 9, 16, he said, Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Preaching is a great privilege. And we are to preach the Bible. We are to preach the Word of God. We're not to be preaching for money. We're not to be preaching for fame. We're not to be preaching for popularity. We are to preach the gospel that souls might be saved. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, there the Paul wrote, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. He sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Of course, Paul is not saying that baptism is not necessary, not important. There are others that could do the baptizing, and he would do the preaching. So he said, I was sent to preach the gospel. 
And we need to preach the gospel today to save people. For in 1 Corinthians 1, 21, the Bible says, For in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, and it pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It's through preaching that the world is to be saved. That's why in Mark 16, 15, Jesus said, Go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Paul said, I am less than the least of all saints, and I was given this grace to preach among the Gentiles. Now, there are some things we ought to remember when we think about preaching. First of all, we need to remember that preaching is a scriptural thing to be done. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, Paul told Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. We need to let God do more of the talking in our preaching today. But God can't hardly get a word in edgewise anymore. A man may walk around on a podium with a Bible in his hand and he may wave it at the people and hold it up in the air. But I want a man who has his Bible in his hand and he has it open and he's telling me what God said. I don't want to know what he thinks. I don't want to know how the preacher feels. I want to know what God says. And we are to preach the word. This is a wise and a useful provision of God. And it is a serious responsibility to be a preacher. Every time that I appear on getting to know your Bible, it reminds me of the people that are watching this telecast. And I am responsible to tell them the truth of God. Paul in Acts the 20th chapter was addressing the elders of Ephesus and explained to them that he had not shunned to declare unto them the whole counsel of God. I'm to preach the whole counsel of God, and I'm to preach it just like it has been revealed in the Bible. I have a lot of books, and some of them are books of sermons of various speakers and the like, and I have noticed in some of them that they'll get down to certain passages of Scripture with which they disagree, and they'll just skip over that verse and go on to the next verse. They won't have anything to say about the verse with which they disagree. And, and so I'm to preach all of it. I'm to preach what I, that, the verses with which I agree, and I'm to preach the verses with which I might disagree. That is, it might be something that really hits hard and hits home with my life. But I'm to preach it all, whether I like it or I don't like it. I'm to preach the word. I'm to be instant in season and out of season. I'm to reprove, I'm to rebuke, and I am to exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Folks, souls are at stake. That's why in 1 Timothy 4, 16, Paul told Timothy, take heed to yourself and to your doctrine. That is to what you're teaching. For in this you're, you'll save both yourself and them that hear thee. So you see, in preaching, not only we're trying to save other people, I'm trying to save myself as well. That's a serious, serious 
responsibility. But then I want you to think about what Paul says about his subject. He's first of all talked about himself, that he was less than the least of all saints. He talked about his work, and that was to preach the gospel, to proclaim the message of the gospel. But then this is what he says about his subject. You know, the, the most difficult thing on any uh, given Sunday is to know the subject with which I ought to speak. And sometimes it's a, if, you, if you make it a matter of prayer, then those subjects seem to come a little easier for you. But sometimes it's hard to know. I know generally what I'm to speak, what I'm to say, and I am to do the exact same thing that Paul did. It is my responsibility to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ. What is there about those riches and Christ that make them so unsearchable? I want you to think about the riches of Christ's person. Jesus Christ was God in human form. That is, when he came into this world. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, John 1, 14. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5, the Bible says that he emptied himself in the form of a servant, being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself unto death, yea, the death of the cross. So there are the riches of Jesus' person. Jesus was both God and man. He was God come down from heaven in human form. 1 Timothy 3.16 says, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Well, how is that so? God was manifest in the flesh in the person of his Son. Jesus even said, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. So there were the riches of his person. That is who he really is. He is God in the flesh. And then there's the riches of the, of the work of Jesus Christ. While Jesus was hanging on that cross, he uttered this statement, It is finished. Well, now what was finished? His work on earth was finished. He came into the world for a particular work, and that was the work of redemption. In John the fourth chapter in verse 34, Jesus said, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. In John 6, 38, he said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. So when he said it is finished, the work that he was sent to accomplish had been done. It was the work of atonement. He came to atone for the sins of all humanity. In Matthew 26, 28, Jesus said, This is my blood of the New Testament, which was shed for many for the remission of sins. There was the work of reconciliation. He came to reconcile men to God. For example, in the second chapter of Ephesians, beginning in verse number 14, the Bible says, For he is our peace, who hath made both one, 
and hath broken down the middle wall of petition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, uh, that, uh, that he, uh, that he make, make of himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Now verse 16, that he might reconcile, reconcile both unto God, both who? Jew and Gentile. That he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Reconcile both unto God. That was his work. What does the word reconcile mean? It means to bring together again. It means to, to cause two parties that have been at odds with one another to be at one again. And Jesus' atonement was for the purpose of bringing that reconciliation. There was the work of redemption that was accomplished by Jesus in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 7. There was the work of substitution. Uh, someone says, now what do you mean, Brother Lambert, the work of substitution? Well, Jesus died as a substitute. Jesus died as a substitute for man, wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. Ephesians, uh, Isaiah chapter uh, 53. And so Jesus Christ went to the cross and Jesus died on behalf of mankind. He became the scapegoat for the sins of the whole world. So that was the work of his substitutionary sacrifice. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, the Bible says he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus did not know sin. He had not sinned. Uh, according to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 to 23, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, Jesus did not sin, but he became a sin sacrifice. For the sins are not of his own sins, but for the sins of the world. For my sins, for your sins. So the riches of Jesus' work and how blessed we are that Jesus Christ died for us. The unsearchable riches, that was the theme of Paul's preaching. And there were the riches of the offices that Jesus fills. He is a mediator. 1 Timothy 2.5 says there's just one mediator between God and man. Well, who is that mediator? Well, it's not Jesus' mother. It's Jesus himself. Jesus is the one who mediates between God and man. There is his work of intercession. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. Hebrews 7 and verse 25. That he is an advocate. He is the one who, as it were, presents our case before the throne of God. My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. But, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So Jesus is the one who presents our case. If I were to go into a court of law 
And if I, had to, I was uh, going to be presenting a case or if I were on trial in a court of law, I would need someone to be my advocate. I would need someone to present my case. And perhaps I would go out and find what I thought might be the best attorney I could find and retain that attorney to, attorney to be my advocate in the, in the court of law. And when we come to stand before the throne of God, you and I have an advocate. We have someone who presents our case to God, and that's Jesus Christ. There is his work as our high priest. Hebrews 4.15, we have not an high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of, of our infirmities, but was tempted in all points like as are we yet without sin. There is his work as being the head of the church. Ephesians, the first chapter, verses 22, 23. Put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. We get our directions, uh, we get our, uh, our, our thinking, as it were, from the head. And the head is Jesus Christ. And there is his work also as our example. I need an example to follow. And Jesus is that example. He gave us, First uh, Peter 2.21 says, we, we uh, have the footsteps of Jesus, the example of Jesus, to follow day in and day out. Paul preached the gospel, and he referred to it as the unsearchable riches of Christ. And it's unsearchable, that simply means that it is inexhaustible. And isn't that a wonderful thing to know? That the message that we're preaching is an inexhaustible message. It is a heavenly message. And we're told by the Apostle Peter in 2 Peter 1 and 3 that we have all things that pertain to life and godliness. It is a message of redeeming love. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. It is a message of comfort and consolation. I want to urge you to obey the gospel, that is, obey the unsearchable, and you'll have those unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. Believe on Jesus, repent of your sins, confess your faith in him, be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, because Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Would you do that today? Would you as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a confessing believer in Jesus Christ, as a penitent confessing believer in Christ, be baptized? You then will have access to all of the unsearchable riches of Christ. I want to thank you for watching today, and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, 
Write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1 877 711 5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.